Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Excited today to have Dan Gonzalez back on the show. Dan is the co-founder and CEO of a company called District C. We had Dan on quite a while ago in the relatively early days of Trending in Ed. Dan, welcome back to Trending in Education. Thank you. It's great to be here, Mike. Always love chatting with you and excited for the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, we worked together at Kaplan for, for many years, and then you tested the water. Water is outside of Kaplan. First, you left to found District C. Can you catch folks up on how District C got started and a little bit of your background, just to, in case folks haven't heard the previous episode? Yeah, absolutely. So District C is a, a North Carolina-based nonprofit. We've been around for about six years. To kind of explain like what we do and why we do it, I'll reference a conversation I had with a successful tech entrepreneur who's based down here in the Triangle area of North Carolina. His name's Carl Rydee. He founded a company called Precision Lender. He's also a big education philanthropist. We were chatting about talent development and an education. And he said something that just kind of like, just like knocked me over. And it was so direct. And so blunt, and I'll warn you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat what he said, but such, such a powerful sentiment and statement. So he said, in relation to education and talent development, we need to spend much less time preparing our students to be stupid computers and much more time preparing them to be great humans. Mm -hmm. And that just like knocked my socks off. In that one sentence, he kind of essentially captured what it is that we're trying to do at District C. And of course, that statement considers all of the things happening in technology right now, the automation, the machine learning, robotics, computing, and all of the risks that we face as a human society to like our livelihoods and our work. Right. And of course, as, as those things progress and get more and more advanced, more and more of the routine things that human beings used to do as part of their jobs are going to go to robots and computers which begs the question, okay, what is left for us humans? And in, in his opinion, if we continue to try to train our students through rote teaching techniques to memorize and regurgitate, follow predetermined procedures and algorithms, read in order to follow directions, we're going to create really bad computers that can't compete with really good computers. Mm -hmm. So what is left for humans in our minds is what we call a human job description of the modern economy. Working on a team, normally a diverse team, to solve complex novel problems. So can you leverage the strengths of others to do really hard things? That's the call for humans across every industry, across every job, across every sector. And so as educators, we're thinking a lot about what are the right learning environments to prepare students for those kinds of futures. And so that's what District C is all about. And then you're focused on high school aged kids and getting them teamed up in diverse groups to work on real problems that are emerging from like the industry side. Can you flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we asked ourselves a question, okay, if we wanna prepare young people for this modern job description, working in teams to solve problems, how do we do that? The best way is to put them in teams and ask them to solve problems. So we have a program called Teamship. You can think of it kind of a, a reimagined internship experience, right? Where teams of students 
are working together to solve real problems for real businesses in their communities. And all of that happens, you know, with the support of an expert certified coach who is typically an educator, right? We like to say it's really easy to put students in teams and ask them to solve a problem. The really hard part is helping them get better at that work, helping them develop their skills and their tools and their mindsets. So we focus a lot on what does the coaching look like, which is very different from teaching a a core academic subject. Yeah, and that's where I wanted to go next because we've had some interesting conversations recently about what it means to teach and how much burnout there is among the teaching profession and how professional development is in some ways a bad word, depending on the context. But then at the same time, there are new programs being developed to continue to engage faculty, to avoid burnout, to to think about their careers and their roles differently. It's also something both you and I have experienced, you know, in different teaching contexts, whether it's for Manhattan Prep or for Kaplan, you know, teaching and, and coaching is a pretty broad area Can you talk about how you're thinking about the role of the teacher and how you're developing programs to help them engage in what you're doing at District C? Yeah. So we decided a few years ago that if if we want to bring this teamship experience to as many students as possible, we needed to prepare and empower educators to run this program on their own in their schools and in their communities. So we developed a, a training program called the District C Coaching Institute, which is a really rigorous 40 to 45 hour training program that essentially certifies educators to be district C coaches. And then from there, they can take the teamship program back into their communities. It starts with what we call the do it phase of the training, which is exactly as it sounds, the educators do teamship as students. So it's a, it's a learning by doing experience. Not only do they come out of that experience with a deep understanding for what teamship is and how it works, but they have a deep sense of empathy for what their future teamship students will be going through. And that that learning by doing approach has proven to be a really critical component of the training. They then go on to do other things to kind of learn the District C coaching philosophy. It's a lot of, you know, helping students feel empowered and helping students feel ownership of their process, helping student teams feel like they're kind of driving the bus. And so the coaching is much more about observing, listening, diving in for a, for a one or two minute coaching tip, and then backing off and listening and seeing what happens, right? Yeah. Which is very different from standing up in front of the classroom and telling students the things that I know, right? And so this transition takes a little bit of time. What we find is educators are really excited about the opportunity to do this kind of work. They have a ton of experience and expertise to bring to the table. They're excited to think about their work a little bit differently. And I would say across the board, core academic subjects, career and technical education, teachers want the stuff that they're doing with their students to relate to the real world. They want their students to see the relationship. They're tired of the question, when am I ever going to use this, right? So we see a lot of excitement and energy around it. You're also right. Teachers are exhausted right now. Coming out of the pandemic, they've gone through two and a half really difficult years. You talk with a lot of teachers as we do. And so this is also kind of an uplifting opportunity for them to like invest in themselves, right? And we say this to educators, look, do this for your students, yes, but do it for you. This is an opportunity 
for you to continue growing, for you to contribute to a new community, to engage with educators from other parts of the country. And so we see a lot of excitement around that part of it as well. Yeah, it's exciting for me as someone who thinks about the future of work a lot. We talked a bit about students and a little bit about teachers and coaches. Mm -hmm. What about the third leg in the stool, which is more on the business side? How are you engaging on that front? Can you describe a little bit about what your partners are like and, and how the model evolves there? Yeah, so one of the non-negotiables in the teamship model is that the problems that student teams work on need to be real, meaningful, and urgent. Early on, you know, we thought very briefly about like, hey, what if we just created some hypotheticals? There's case studies here. Yep. Wouldn't that allow us to scale this much more easily? Mm -hmm. But in interviewing some of our students, what we learned was the primary motivator is, you know, they will say, I got to do something real. This mattered. I got to help actual people or organizations or the nonprofit that I was solving for or the for-profit business, whatever it might be. Yeah. They get to engage in something that is meaningful, that will have a lasting impact, right? And so as we think about student engagement, especially through the pandemic, this is a really important component of the model. And so part of our service when we're partnering with school districts and schools is, look, we know you've got a ton on your plate. We know your teachers and coaches have a ton on their plate. We will do all the business partner sourcing, screening, onboarding, problem scoping, and we will deliver that problem and that business partner to you as part of this experience. So it's become a really critical part of our business operation is, you know, who are the right kinds of businesses? Who are the right kinds of business representatives? What kinds of problems tend to work well? How do we recruit them? How do we scale that? We're figuring all that out at the moment. It's a really important piece. What we find is businesses want to engage and we're able to provide them with a really concrete way to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know some of our listenership is, is probably a little more on that side. It's primarily located in North Carolina. Most of our work is in North Carolina. We are in seven states at the moment, but you know, business partnerships can come from any part of the country or the world. Oftentimes schools and coaches want to connect their students with people outside of their areas. Oftentimes they want to be connected in the community, yeah. but we had a school down here in Durham, North Carolina that we connected with a multinational company in Manhattan. And the students got to zoom in with the senior vice president of, of product. This is Petula, you know, Petula, we worked sure. with Petula. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So the students were just, wow, the, wow, senior vice president, she's sitting in an office in Manhattan. This is so cool, right? And so businesses can come from anywhere. We would welcome any, any interested folks. Yeah, absolutely. And then I know you've been doing this through the pandemic years that you're, you're talking now about using Zoom. How have things changed over the last couple of years and where do you see stuff headed? What pivots and shifts have you encountered? Because, you know, we were all disrupted, obviously, in the last few years. What's that been like for District C? And hopefully we're starting to come out of some of that phase. Where do you see things headed moving forward? Yeah. So. Obviously, the pandemic was a huge challenge for educators. You know, for, for us, there were some challenges. We shifted most of our or all of our teacher training to an online format, which has actually worked well because, you know, now we can be recruiting from all over the country and have 
teachers in the same virtual room and learn from each other, regardless of geography. In terms of our trajectory, there was actually a silver lining for us in the pandemic in that there's been so much COVID relief money that has come into local school districts. And here in North Carolina, one of the kind of pockets of money has been earmarked for career acceleration, career learning. And so obviously the teamship program in District C kind of fits that bill. And so we've been working with a whole lot of school districts across North Carolina who are trying to find really innovative ways to get their students real life, you know, work-based learning experiences. And so we've been able to provide teamship in that regard and the funding has been there. So that has been actually a big shift for us is that the challenge has gone from, we have a lot of conversations, recruitment conversations with school districts, at least two years ago, like, yes, we'd love to do this. I just don't know where we're going to find the money. Right. These days it's, yeah, we've got the money. Um, I hope I can get enough teachers interested in this because their attention is so diverted. Right. Once we get the teachers into the training, they respond really favorably, but I think that is the biggest challenge for new and innovative programs in education at the moment is there's a lot of competition for attention. Mm-hmm. And I totally understand why. I mean, yeah. it, people are just spread really thin. So that's been a huge, a huge shift and has impacted the way that we're thinking about how we continue to grow and scale. Yeah. I wanted to take a moment to also note the diversity of the teams that you're talking about. Part of your mission is to connect to the wide range of cohorts you might be teamed up with and developing the EQ, the the social emotional equipment to be able to work with folks who may not be the same as you. I know that's something that's been central to your thinking. I'd love to hear a little more from you on that. Yeah. So the whole purpose of the teamship model is to teach students how to work on diverse teams to solve novel complex problems. And that word diverse is very intentional. Obviously there's a ton of research that suggests that when you know how to leverage the diversity of your teammates, your team will outperform other more homogenous teams. Mm -hmm. But the research also shows that if you don't know how to leverage that diversity, you will struggle more than homogenous teams. So we're very intentional about how we think about diversity the power of diversity and how we coach students to not only value it, but get the most from it, right? And it's one thing to say, hey, be a good team player or respect your teammates. That kind of stuff, yes, I agree with those sentiments, but students don't know what to do with that, right? Those are abstractions. Mm -hmm. So what we focus a lot on is here are some concrete tools that will help you better understand the perspectives, ideas, and thoughts of your teammates. And here's how you would implement these tools in a typical team meeting or in a typical work session with your teammates. So that the notion of leveraging diversity and leveraging diverse strengths becomes a practical reality through actionable behaviors. That's really most of the work that we're doing with students through teamship and through the coaching is helping them understand how to do those things in a real way. And then you talked a bit about how the scoping of the problem and definition of the problem is something that District C takes on. And then you're providing the problem in some ways in a structured way to the team to solve. Have you done any experimentation with the scoping work 
itself. In some ways, that's even harder. And frequently, work contexts have more ill-structured problems for us to go after. I'd love to get a little bit of your perspective on that. Uh, it's almost as if you've been eavesdropping on our team meetings. This is like such a great question and is really at the core of a lot of the work that we're doing right now and, and things that we're trying to figure out. As we think about continuing to provide the business partner matching and problem scoping as part of teamship at scale, we're obviously thinking about how much time does it take us to scope the problem and how much does that cost us to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have done a ton of experimentation on this and where we always seem to gravitate back towards is let's provide a problem statement to the student teams that is as short and open-ended as possible mm -hmm. while still retaining some clarity, right? And so we have like a formula, it's a four or five sentence formula that we use. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to present the problem, not as a project, so not go, you know, go research our 10 competitors, come back with like a document that, you know, has a SWOT and now, you know, whatever that might be. It is a, a statement that usually starts with something like, we are struggling to, or we haven't quite figured out how to. Mm -hmm. And so that's problem language, it's not project language. And so what that then puts on the students is, okay, as a team, we need to better understand where that problem is coming from, who it's impacting, what has been tried already to solve that problem. And that generally leads to some deeper insights into the problem that maybe the business hasn't even considered. Yeah. And then from those insights, students can go in whatever direction they want to, to propose a solution. So we want the students to feel like they own the journey, they own the direction, and that it, this isn't about, hey, we've got some work for you to do, just right. do it. It's more about, here's a problem that we're struggling with, take it whatever direction you want, we're interested to hear your feedback. So oh, we're pretty intentional about how we structure that, that original statement. Yeah, makes sense. And I know there's a lot of talk about generational zeitgeists. It's something I like to talk about on the show. Gen Z mm -hmm. is, is generally the generation that you're working with in these contexts. And I do understand why folks on the not-for-profit, for-profit industry side are going to want to get in touch with these rising demographics. Are there any stories you could share about what it's been like working with the rising generation, with young talent these days? Any thoughts you have on what the future might hold for us? Oh, it's, I feel so heartened. I, you know, through this work, I've had the opportunity to meet and coach hundreds of students. I do less of that now, but in the early years, especially when we were building a program, we got to watch students working together to do this work and we got to coach them. There's a great story, uh, a student named Jonas, Jonas Kamal, that we met back in 2018. He was one of the first students to participate in a teamship program. And he came in with such enthusiasm, such commitment, such eagerness to learn. He worked on a team with three other students. They worked on a problem for a nonprofit in the community. And he just knocked everyone, everyone's socks off. Like just such a genuine talent and good, good young man with, with, with an authentic approach and genuine approach to his work. So we decided like, hey, these are the kinds of students that are going to change the world. Like this, Jonas is a guy that you will want to know, right? And we knew that from the first day that we met him. 
So we just like kept in touch with him. He ended up enrolling at UNC Chapel Hill down here on a scholarship, has been involved with District C. He had an internship with Cisco over the summer and became actually a business problem provider for a teamship program over the summer. Nice. He was our first student to serve that role. And then four weeks ago, we hired him as a part-time member of the District C team. He's a yeah. junior in college, but he's out now recruiting business partners for us. And yeah. he has contributed in so many powerful ways. That's a really powerful story. This is us eating our own dog food. I know that's a phrase you love, Mike, but you know we feel like we had a small hand in, in helping Jonas figure out what he wants to do with his skills and talents. And being able to hire him is just a, a fantastic story. He is one of hundreds and hundreds of students who show so much promise. I think this generation is really, really impressive. They see the world slightly differently. They have the heart, they have the passion. You know, one of the things that I've noticed time and time again, they have each other's backs. They look out for each other. Mm -hmm. They're not pointing fingers. They're not blaming each other. They're not blaming other people. They're an empathetic cohort of individuals and they're looking out for each other. And they, they have that, that human element, which I think is missing in so much of the public discourse these days that I, I just feel really heartened by it. I know that was, that was a bit of a meandering answer, but I hope you've heard some of the, the passion in my voice yeah. while I was talking about it. It is a great, great, it's been one of the best parts of the job. That's awesome. And it does yeah. sound like the Jonas's of the world out there do need programs and mentorship from coaches who help them connect the dots. So it's a great example of the, the upside of the program that you're running here. That program is called District C. DistrictC.co is the website. If you want to learn more, I learned a bit more about what Dan's got going on by going there myself. Dan, we're getting closer to conclusion here. This is where we're entering the free form phase of the conversation. Okay. If there's anything out there in the world around you that is capturing your attention, folks who care about the future of learning should be paying attention to. Feel free to surprise and delight us with whatever you care to share. And then we'll wrap up after that with any closing comments or takeaways, but anything out there capturing your attention these days that you wanna make sure folks heard about? Wow, maybe I will go out on a limb here and make a really bold, prediction nice. um, as it relates to education and the future of work. Mm -hmm. And I could be totally off. I could be totally wrong, but I'm feeling this. And this podcast is the opportunity for me to just go out on a limb, right? I awesome. feel yeah. a trusty mic, so I'm going to do it. All right. So I think we are five to 10 years away from our most promising high school graduates skipping college altogether and going right into the workforce. Wow. Um, we talk a lot about is college, is college right for everyone, but we, we do so in the context of students that are typically middle of the road academically or maybe low performing on the academic spectrum. And we like to say, hey, look, you know, maybe college isn't for you. Maybe you can go earn a certification and go into a trade or whatever it might be. And so that's been a part of the conversation. I think what is emerging, the students who would be no-brainer four-year college prospects at the top 50 colleges and universities in the country, I think we're pretty close to many of them deciding, you know what, I'm just going to go directly at age 18 and start working for Google. Mm. Or I'm going to go directly 
and start that nonprofit that I want to do or whatever it might be. I think big corporations and companies are starting to realize that if they want a truly diverse talent pipeline, they're going to have to start earlier. And they're realizing that oftentimes the signal that a college degree sends isn't as strong as maybe society has historically thought. You know, if I'm a student, I'm facing down, you know, $400,000 in debt versus coming out of college and making 70, 80,000. Mm-hmm. And if I've got the skills to do it, you know, what, why wouldn't I? We're starting to hear like, this is anecdotal evidence, but we have talked with a few of students who have begun like doing this calculus in their head. Yeah. And I wonder if we are uh, on the verge. I, I don't know what you think, Mike. It's a provocative yeah. prediction there. You know, it's interesting for me with the soon to be four-year-old son, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think far enough out to when he's college age. And that's why, uh, you know, almost as a hedge, I feel like programs like like it, we need the pre-K version of District <laughs> C, get a team of preschoolers together to to work on some real business problems. Love but it. but it does feel like there's there's an odd disconnect in K twelve around the pathway to that first job, and that's why I, I'm really excited to to bring folks like you into the conversation, folks who are actually addressing that. Because I think by the time you get to to higher ed and you, there's a lot of activity there around higher ed is trying to struggling with how it can mm-hmm. help with professional pathways. You know, if you start thinking K through first grade job, how much are we designing with that first grade job in mind and how yeah. much will students start to take the onus of charting that path themselves with the help of Google and Amazon and even entrepreneurial yeah. startup activity is the other thing that's really interesting where you are exposing rising students to what it might mean to start their own business or yeah. not for profit. You know, I always feel like those revelations frequently occur later than they could. We underestimate how much change happens in five years and overestimate how much happens in two. You're in the right ballpark and I'm just not, <laughs> five to 10. I'm not sure when we get there, <laughs> but I got to figure out how much to put into my 529 in the meantime. <laughs> it's really interesting. You know, I read a just almost done with The Tyranny of Merit, which is a great book by Michael Sandel, but mm. he talks very much about that. It's it's a little more, try to explain the resentment towards the meritocracy that, you know, in some ways is allowing for populism to tap into folks who don't have college degrees. And there's mm. a lot of talk about the, the whole concept of the common good and the dignity of work, which is very much tied up in a lot of what you're talking about here as well. And also the ability to work together with others to produce something that you're proud of. The idea of building a portfolio as opposed to a CV is an interesting, you know, tension that's out there these days. And I tend to be leaning towards the side of build a work portfolio that you can actually point to and talk about as opposed to the sheepskin effect. That's the key point, right? As an employer, I'm much less interested in having someone show me the courses they've completed. I'm much more interested in them showing what is the value that you've created, right? This is an equity question. How do we help students find opportunities to demonstrate what they can do and to create value? Yeah. Students with privilege, family networks, social capital, they have lots of opportunities, you know, internships, you know, et cetera. But there are many students out there that never get the opportunity to demonstrate who they are, to demonstrate what they can do. And so teamship is a way 
to democratize that a little bit. And if we can do it at scale, which we're, you know, we're working towards, more students will have the opportunity to do real stuff and demonstrate real value so that when they are making that decision, is college right for me or can I go right into the workforce? They've got something that they can show, right? And I think employers increasingly are going to want to care about that. What value have you created? Yeah, great stuff, Dan. Okay, this is the yeah. bring it home phase of the conversation okay. where you've likened this to, you know, we need to develop three-point shooters rather than two-point shooters. So the clock's ticking down, you're down two. This is your shot at the buzzer here. This is your buzzer beater. Just want to bring it home for folks, reinforce some takeaways. We had a great conversation. What are a few takeaways for folks as we wrap up? If you're interested in District C and Team Shit, there are lots of ways to get involved. If you're a student, of course, you can participate in Team Shit. If you're a business partner, look us up. We'd love to have you put a problem in front of students. But I think like the big picture is there is a lot of churn and change happening in education right now. And I think if there's one thing a positive coming out of the pandemic is I think there's an appetite to do some things differently. And I appreciate you hosting this show for as long as you have and how committed you are to it because you bring on guests who are doing really interesting things in the field and we need to highlight those and support them. And it's a slow grind. Education is a giant barge that does that shift and pivot easily. But we just need more people working on, on things like this and appreciate you giving us the chance to share the work that we're doing. Dan Gonzalez, co-founder and CEO of District C. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. There'll be links to what District C has going on in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. Write us a review. Share the good word. Tell your friends. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education. <music>